What's going on, Taz? Yes, uh, welcome to the Taz Show. This is Taz. Thank you for downloading this episode. You're doing that at uh, radio.com on the app or the website, or maybe Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're pulling in your podcast. Uh, you know, you, you subscribed to the Taz Show, which I appreciate. Or maybe you're just listening uh, and you don't subscribe, which that's not good. I don't like that. That's not nice. That's very rude. You should always subscribe to the Tash Show. That's a big plus. So please, let's get our ass in gear and subscribe to the show. Just click the button. It's real simple. You know the routine. Got a little Taz Hall action here, loaded Taz Hall. It's going to be a good one. Uh, a lot of good questions uh, Brian and the team have pulled from you people. Okay. Uh, we're going to have a water break at some point because uh, it's summertime uh, for sure. We're going to have that. There will be, uh, like I said, Taz Hall. I mentioned that. Uh, la, 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 la. Yeah, there's, a, oh, this is the thing I want to mention. Somebody told me there's a Hidden Gems, a WWE.com. I think they call it Hidden Gems. I think that's the right name. Uh, dark matches. Um, they have a dark match of me uh, when I had one of my tryouts many, many moons ago, many years ago. And I don't know, it was probably 1992, 91, 93. I don't remember the year. Not 93, probably 91 or two, something like that. Wasn't 93, but it was uh, against um, Scotty Tuhati. You guys remember Scotty Tuhati from Too Cool. Great guy, Scotty. I might have talked about this in the past, but I was working as the Tasmaniac. It was a WWF tryout. And they're going to have it as one of the hidden gems. Now, I know I recently saw this match online somewhere because I feel like I came out here on this microphone and talked about it. But um, WWE now has got it out there. We're going to have it out there. I'm not on top of the, the hidden gem gimmick, what they do with that, or how or when they release it on the network. I assume it'll be, I'm sure someone will tweet me or a link or or just let me, hey, Taz, it's out there, you know, that type of thing. So that's pretty cool uh, that people could see that. I, that's pretty cool. So, um, you know, Scotty Tuhati and I worked a lot of matches back in the day. He's working as Scott Taylor. And we had really good chemistry in the ring. And, and a lot of the, the indie promoters before they were called indies uh, would book Scott and I together. And we were friends. And he lived up in Maine. I was living in New York. And we worked a lot of the East Coast together for, for um, you know, for a lot of different promotions, small, small time stuff back in the day. So we had a good match. We do a couple of different style matches and they always worked pretty good. Um, we used to work a lot. I was telling Pete the body this, the esteemed board operator for uh, the show I do, the radio show on CBS Sports Radio, Taz and the Moose. I was telling Pete about this uh, earlier today. We, Scotty and I, Scotty Tuhati, we used to work a lot. I mean, it had to be. Man, I don't remember if it was once a month or once every five weeks at a car dealership, believe it or not, wrestle at a car dealership. <laughs> um, they put a ring in a parking lot in Wallingford, Connecticut. Yes. And the, the, the late, great Tony Rumble, the Boston bad boy, my man, uh, he would put these shows together with some other promoter. I didn't know the nooks and crannies of the business end back then. I didn't care. I just wanted to wrestle. So. And I was working as a Tasmaniac, and, and Scotty and I worked there a couple times. And one time, a real quick story, at the um, at the car dealership in Wallingford, it was summertime. It was hot as shit out. And I was working barefoot as a Tasmaniac, obviously. that's what, Why wouldn't a Tasmaniac be barefoot? So <laughs> the canvas was so fucking hot. It was like, oh. Oh my god like so hot i'd even taken a bump on it you know 
After the match, Scotty complained because, dude, uh, taking a bump on that fucking mat was so hot. I go, bro, I'm barefoot. That's why most of the match I was trying to work out on the outside. Like almost I would love to have done a false cut anywhere, but we, the show was outside in the parking lot. So it was kind of hard to take bumps on these new cars. You know, that would have been not good because uh, at the time, neither of us could afford a car. So, <laughs> we, you know, anyway, the canvas was so hot. I'm, I just remember that, that working barefoot on that canvas, and it was I can't begin to tell you because they set the ring up early and it was just sitting in the sun. It was just sitting in the sun, the hot Connecticut sun. I know usually Connecticut's not that hot, but in the summer it gets hot and humid, just like a lot of the Northeast. And holy smokes, it was fucking hot. And I remember running those ropes. I was probably the fastest I've ever run in a ring in my life because I just, my feet, it was like running on hot holes. It absolutely sucked. Anybody out there who has ever wrestled barefoot or maybe you do martial arts or you've been on a hot mat or canvas you know what i mean um it's craziness though dude i know so when i think of sky too hotty i do think of you know, those matches we used to have at the car dealership in wallingford i think it was a nissan car dealership or toyota i can't recall one of the japanese car makers i i, I could have sworn it was nissan but uh anyway so i just when i heard about the hidden gems i thought of scotty and then all the years and i've been friends with scott and worked in wwe with him and all that i still think of you know when I, <laughs> those matches we had i'm sure he remembers them too we had fun um so what else yeah so hidden gem jones also the uh the gimmick uh you guys know about that whole video that went viral right with the, the little dude at the uh, bagel shop here on Long Island, as I record in the home studio today, actually not in and not in the city. So yeah, the uh, so the guy flips out in the Vegas. So it's all over my Twitter. If you haven't seen it, right? I mean, it, it, it thing's got millions of views, and um, it ends up like I was thinking when I first watched the video. I'm thinking this is this. It's a work. This guy doing this. This guy. It's a little bit of a work for me. A little bit, you know, like and it just seemed odd. You know what I mean? It just seemed a little, he was really comfortable in his promo cutting and how hot he was mad. And, and his whole shtick seemed like just too perfect. And then you get people on Twitter and then, uh, you know, the moose on the air with me, he's like, Oh, it's kind of sad what he's saying. Cause he's like five feet tall and he can't get dates on dating sites. Meanwhile, he's cursing women out, degrading women, cursing everybody out, getting in guys faces in the bagel shop. I'm like, dude, I don't feel bad for this guy. This guy's not getting dates because he's not tall. This guy's not not getting dates because he's an asshole. Let's be honest. Like, so um, I wasn't feeling bad at all because I knew something was funky about it, too. You know, so uh, then in my research, uh, found out, you know, because I don't I live like 15 minutes from this bagel shop. And he looked like a guy I knew back in the day. I tweeted this. I knew this guy named Clip, right? And he was like the same type of size guy, same type of attitude, kind of Frank Rizzo-esque for those Jerky Boy fans. And and But this wasn't Clip. So, uh, and this is all happening in a town called Bayshore in Suffolk County on Long Island. And uh, right near the water in Bayshore. So what happens is I do a little research and shit. And it ends up being, I find out this dude has a YouTube channel. And I tweeted it out. So if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen you've seen these right where I'm talking about. But I know a lot of people aren't on social media. They just listen to the podcast. So I, I want to just, you know, let 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 them know about it. So but um, but yeah, so the dude basically it, the part that's a work. It's not that he got tackled by the guy in the bagel store. That was a shoot. It's not that those girls that videoed him. That was a shoot, too. He knew that he was online, this crowded bagel store. And it was a bunch of like you know, all the high school kids in there and, and, and they were getting bagels and, and he knows he's smart enough to know that the generation today, they, if there's a problem, they're going to get it on camera. And it worked out perfect. Cause he just started cutting a promo on this girl, him and this girl were arguing and, and then he just flipped out or whatever. And then it went viral, the video all over the place. Like, I think it's got something like 18 million views. I can't remember. I said on the radio this morning, maybe it's gotta be up to 20 million views right now. Uh, insane. So, it ends up the work part is that he's he goes around and just cuts promos on people throughout Long Island and puts it on his YouTube channel. That's what I mean. It's a fucking work, you know, like, you know, his there's stuff on his YouTube channel of, of him in a 7-Eleven arguing with the two guys behind the, the desk at the 7-Eleven. And one guy said, you know, how tall are you? And then the, he calls they call the cops and then he gets into it with the cops, like real cops, like, 
you know, and then, uh, you know, he wanted to file a complaint. It's like, you know, it, it's just, it's all content for this guy's YouTube channel. So entertaining as fuck, he completely stole the Frank Rizzo character, more or less, from Johnny Brennan, my man, from the Jerky Boys, who was a guest on the Taz show a few years back. So so I just wanted to bring some of that up to you guys anyway. So um, still, even though he's in work mode, this guy, I think his name is Chris Morgan, funny he's funny he's fucking funny i got a weird sense of humor so i thought it was funny all right so anyway uh there you have it uh taz hole here we go so here we go uh the rock is back i remember this dude good guy what's your favorite song at the moment mine is old town road old town road jones hashtag the taz show hashtag tasmaniac with an x that is um i gotta tell you as of late i'm listening to a lot of uh incubus you know uh people have heard some of those tunes someplace with my content um listen to a lot of i always listen to a lot of old school limp biscuit um but lately i've been watching a lot of incubus stuff um uh, if you're fans of them they they did um several years back at their headquarters i think it's in california and they did like a live show for the people who work at their headquarters and stuff in the building and i was just watching that recently on youtube it was a lot of fun it was really good um probably one of my favorite songs i like a lot of their music but privilege is a song i like that they they do a lot i mean you know a lot of the popular ones like wish you were here that's a real popular one they got they got a few popular songs but i and i like those songs but the ones that are blood on the ground is another one i like a lot um but i've, I've always been a big incubus fan even when they were in their prime prime but they're still rocking and still doing their shit and fred durst limp disc limp biscuit i'm, I'm old school jones I, I still love that shit so uh one of my favorite limp biscuit songs is a song called gold cobra so uh so that's my uh dealio on the music uh so uh thank you the rock is back uh, non-wrestling question but that's right we handled it billy the goat jones uh pick one wrestler from from before your era your era and the current era to smoke a cigar with all in one group <sighs> oh man it's like this is like okay well what am i gonna you know all right so i'll go uh, maybe not in the order you're given given i'm just thinking off the top of my head i was actually just with i can't say their names uh not one but two wrestlers from my era uh on the west coast i just saw a couple of guys and i was chilling with that i used to wrestle with that you guys would know who they are right away but i'm not saying their names um <laughs> uh, and i have reasons one day soon maybe i'll tell you uh right now i can't but anyway um an era from today, from today's era, uh, I guess you would call it like the current era, I would say Samoa Joe. Just off the top of my head, I would it would be myself, I'd say Samoa Joe, and then the era, uh, so i got to pick a guy now from my era, too. Uh, you're saying a wrestler. I would say Paul Heyman. Because Paul and I have always had a lot of fun conversations, but he's not a wrestler. Um... This is thinking on the fly Jones here. I mean, I've had a lot of guys I was, you know, you know, respected and friends with like from my era. So it's kind of tough that just thinking here, I would probably say, I would probably say, uh, probably Ray Mysterio from my era, you know, Ray, Ray's a great guy. I love Ray and uh funny dude, real chill guy. And I like Ray. So, so far, we got myself. We got Samoa Joe. We got Ray Mysterio. And then we got before my era. Oh, man. I would say, just, just purely off the top of my head, Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas is a funny guy and always helped me when I was younger, coming up in the business. So, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, I'd say, or the Iron Sheik. <laughs> Either Atlas or the Sheik, one of those guys would be great um so so yeah so hopefully i was a little scattered all over the place on that but hopefully that uh that covers it for you thank you for the question okay the underscore rahavik rahavik how happy are you uh for the new mlo mlw i should say champ fatu uh jacob fatu he means i know you were big on him uh, hashtag FTW, hashtag, hashtag, hashtag Bagel Boss, uh, hashtag Wise Ass Jones. I like it. Quick City City right there. So what do we got? We got, uh, yeah, uh, Jacob Fatu is the new MLW champ. I think it's great. 
I am happy for him. His work rate's excellent. I put this kid over a lot, and with good reason. He's the real dealio. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm happy for him for sure. And I think I'm, I'm I think it's smart by MLW to do that. You know, Court Bauer and company do the right thing. They they book stuff pretty good. They know what they're doing. They're very passionate, and they do a good job. So Jacob Fatu as their new MLW champion, I think is a good move. I believe heels as top guys. I believe heels draw money. My man's a heel. So uh, I think it works uh, and, and he can work and you gotta, you gotta have credibility in between the ropes and he's got credibility. So of course he can flat out go. So all good and happy for MLW and for Jacob Fatu. I've never met. If I met him, it was years back when he was a young guy. Cause I know a lot of his family, but, uh, I don't recall meeting him, uh, you know, so, but uh, maybe one day I will meet him. What else we got? KTV underscore 619. Pancakes or waffles? Aha, a little food question. I see what you got going. We're going pancakes on that. It has nothing to do with the New Day. Actually, the New Day is kind of like, to be honest, like ruining pancakes for me because they overdo it. I'm tired of them with the pancake gimmick, and they're making me not want pancakes because it's just they're killing the pancake gimmick. All right, thanks for the question. Mike underscore of house underscore Matatarazzo. Non-wrestling question. I just handled one of those with the pancakes. Uh, Non-wrestling question. Who do you see as the two teams in the Super Bowl this year? Oh, come on now. I'm going to have to get to this one in a little bit here because now you're asking straight sports questions. Of course, I want my Buffalo Bills in it. I mean, that goes without saying. I, I will tell you this. I know a lot of people are high on them, and there's a good reason why people are high on them, but the Cleveland Browns are going to make that noise, and they they, they, they are going to make that noise. Are they going to go to the Super Bowl? I do think there's a chance I, because they just have a plethora of talent. Um, they, they do. We're starting with Baker Mayfield at that quarterback spot. He was real good last year as a rookie. Just imagine now in his second year to um, – what he's going to do, especially with the weapons he has now. You know, with Juice Landry at receiver, you got Beckham at receiver, the running game he has, Ninjoku at the tight end spot, really good defense. Um, you know, I mean, they, 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 they and, and you know, new head coach of Freddie Kitchens, who was the, the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach last year. Uh, man, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I like their chances immensely. And Kitchens and, and Baker Mayfield have a really good chemistry together and i really think that baker mayfield is the reason why kitchens is the head coach because they wanted kitchens as the head coach so uh, i mean i'm sorry baker wanted kitchens as the head coach so um you know i really think i i I don't know i really think that they have a shot to get in there i would not like to see the patriots get in there even though there's a you know you got to look them at the the afc probably as a favorite but um i I just don't want to see that happen. I, I didn't want to get into too much sports chatter here, but, you know, once you start hitting me, I start spitballing, you know, that's my gimmick, you know, so I, I do it every day, right? Um, I think the Rams, you got to look at it as a favorite. I mean, so I'm, I'm not giving you two teams right now, but I think the Rams definitely could, you know, uh, uh, get back to, to doing what they're doing. I mean, they're just so talented and young and all this stuff. So I don't know. I, I it's I'm spitballing some teams at you there. Um I'm joking about the Bills. I'd love to see it happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Let me sit on it and think about it a little while. Let's see how camp goes, uh, training camp goes. All right, what else we got here? Uh, where were we? We got unscripted underscore Sean underscore Wolf. Who do you see now as the best? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> like the best. Um, well, uh, I mean, there's you got, I mean, there's a lot of guys and girls getting big pushes in WWE right now. Um, I'm going to go with uh, WWE talent um, because of the workload and the schedule. So to me, if you could go out and still put on great matches and work as much as you're working, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards WWE and I'm giving that whoever that wrestlers, I'm fixing the name as the best. Um, I just want to go on the record and say, I I feel I don't feel there is a best, but just because I want to try to answer your question the best I can, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna do my give my best efforts to to answer it. Um, I think Seth Rollins uh, with the push he's getting, um, it's he's been getting a push for a long time and with good reason. Um, his promo work has gotten so much better over time. His in ring work is spectacular. And he works his rear end off. So 
I look at him as someone that is in the best. Always been a big fan of the IC champ, Finn Balor. I think Finn Balor, um, just uh, pro's pro, tremendous, awesome talent. Um, you got to throw him in that conversation, too. Uh, as far as the best, again, this is a super broad question. I rather really wish you wouldn't have asked it because it's just tough to it, – it, there's so many talented – you know, folks in there, uh, Becky Lynch, uh, what she's doing with that push uh, and how well she's working. I mean, gee whiz. I mean, main event in WrestleMania. I mean, y- you got to you got to throw her out respect. Ricochet. I mean, his talent, athleticism. He's awesome. I'm not going to say he's the best because I think he lacks in his promo skills a little bit. But he's carrying that United States champion right now and doing a championship, I should say, and doing a great job with it. But I just want to give him a shout out because he's such a tremendous talent. But that's why I wouldn't say him. It's just because purely on if you're the best, you got to be able to cut those promos. You know what I mean? So and his promos are okay. They're not great. Um, You know, like I said, I think Seth Rollins is probably I would lean towards as a favorite in the thing. Again, super tough question. Not trying to hedge on you. Um, nothing against Kofi either. I mean, he's a WWE champion and he cuts great promos. And I think, unfortunately, right now he's a little oversaturated. I mean, he's on the show a lot, and I think they should back off a teeny bit on that. I'm just my perspective on that. I do think there's a handful of men in, in NXT that are tremendous from Adam Cole as the NXT champion. It's just great. Uh, again, I, I, dude, I can't, I, you know, I want to give you, uh, I want to get, I mean, AJ, AJ Styles, I forgot AJ. Uh, with this heel turn now can be something even more special than he's been. This is refreshing for AJ with this heel turn. And AJ in ring and has been amazing for years. And his promo work since in WWE has gotten so much better. So, I mean, you got to throw AJ in that conversation. I mean, you really do. Um, uh, so... <laughs> It's hard. I mean, so I'm I'm not answering the question. I wanted to. It's not happening. I just can't. I can't give you. I can't give you an answer on it. I, I'm spitballing guys at you and girls, and I really can't. It's just too. It's 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 kind of unfair. It's just there's too much talent, and they're working too much. So take it the way you want to take it. Thank you though, Kuba Jock underscore. Do you think WWE is headed towards a non PG era? Oh, absolutely. I think we're witnessing it. It's happening. They're getting out of it. You could tell uh, with some of the language that we're hearing on the show and, um, you know, and some of the, the just look at the Maria and Mike Kanellis angle. I mean, that's just you're hearing some stuff there that Maria's saying about, you know, that you know, maybe you didn't even impregnate me, that type thing. Like some of the cursing you hear, Kofi Kingston flipping off Samoa Joe. So, you know, I mean, you're, you're getting it. For sure, you're getting, you know, commentators in Corey Graves saying, holy shit, and they beep them. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, I think you're going to get more and more that once Heyman's in full throttle control of Raw, for the most part, with Vince overseeing it, and Eric Bischoff's full throttle with SmackDown, he can be racy too. So, um, yeah, no, I think you're flat in the uh, the non-PG era, my friend. Um, What else we got here? Cole, it's K-O-U-L. Cole the Collector. What was your first reaction when you found out you were getting a wrestling figure created? What is your favorite Taz figure? Love the pod, and thank you for everything. Hashtag we over, hashtag FTW, hashtag the Taz show. I thought it was awesome. My first um, my first action figure was an ECW, and I really loved it. I thought it was really cool. I never thought I'd have an action figure, and this is when we started to really, you know, cranking with pay-per-views and shit like that and and i was like i couldn't believe it and i know they they had sent me a bunch of them and i still have some saved um and then once i went to wwe they made a, a lot of me um even the announcer one of me that's my least favorite where it's like i like like i have a pop belly like i don't know whose body they put like i never had a pop belly in my life yeah i've put weight on here and there and i'll get thicker but i never walked around like be a belly jones i mean you know what i mean so that's actually a great gimmick. Imagine that beer belly Jones. For watch your high Texas beer belly Jones. And I'm wrestling somewhere down like back in the day. Put him in an angle with like Stan the Lariat Hanson, somebody Stan Hanson, I mean, should say the Lariat. Just put him in like an angle, old school guy. You know, be a 
Belly Jones. Anyway, so sorry, I'm getting my old school 1980s fantasy booking. Um, my favorite figure was a WWE figure. One of my announcing figures I I liked a lot, Gray Sue Jones, had a gray pinstripe shoot suit, I believe, with an orange shirt. That was one of my favorite, one of my better and better ones, you know, that I liked. I, and all the wrestling ones, for the most part, I liked that they did when I was wrestling, so I, I can't complain about any of them. But the one that sticks out to me is I don't, I don't, I'm not a big action figure guy, like the names of them and shit. But I had like a gray suit on, pinstripe. And uh, with an orange shirt, I believe, um, orange like men's dress shirt under it. Um, so there you have it. Robbie Lasandero underscore TV. Is WWE so uninspired that they don't care to create a new stage? As wrestling fans making the stages different from each show, especially Raw and SmackDown, can make a difference. Will Bischoff and Heyman now in creative? Do you think they? Uh, do you think that'll happen? You're the best uh, with a muscle emoji and an Italian flag. Yeah, look, uh, listen. I I think on saying WWE's uninspired is a little bit of a stretch. I, I don't agree with that. I mean, just because they didn't bang out a new stage yet, I mean it'll happen. I mean, I don't think it, that has nothing to do with Heyman and and Bischoff. I mean, uh, you know, they could suggest it. That's that comes from Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon and Triple H. You know, that's where that comes from. So. Yeah, no, I think it'll happen. Uh, listen, that the staging's a lot of money, and they're getting their money's worth out of it. They've had it a long time, and a lot of the power comes from that stage and that Tron and the way things are wired and programmed. It takes a long time to do. It's a big, big deal. There's a lot of people they pay to run the staging, so it's not as simple as just changing a stage. So I don't, I don't think that. I think saying they're uninspired is a little bit of a, an unfair statement. Um, no, I, I never have a problem with WWE's production and quality. And um, from when I worked there, I can tell you it's all top, top flight, never cheap ever on anything. Now, from a distance, watching as a fan, same thing. Slick Jones, always. They're not cheap ass bastards. They're not El Cheapo. I can promise you that. Willie Chuck Jr., remember Willie Chuck, Big Boy Jones. In the realm of the new hires to the creative staff, do you think there is a lot to offer for some fresh eyes who haven't been watching the product for the last decade or so? Hashtag RTG, that's running the game. Hashtag the Taz Show. Well, I mean, I'm not sure, Willie, Chuck, what you mean when you say fresh eyes. I'm assuming you maybe you mean Eric Bischoff because he hasn't worked there in quite some time. Um. I'm assuming that's what you mean. Do you think there's a lot to offer for some fresh eyes who haven't been watching the product? That that question there is a little tough for me because here's the thing with that, right? Look, <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm trying to put it in the right words. As far as fresh eyes, if you haven't watched, watched the product, but the problem is if you're not watching the product and then you know, you're not going to get hired as a writer or as an Eric Bischoff role or Paul Heyman role, it's just not going to happen. You have to know the product. Like, you you have to know the product. No matter if you like it or not, you can't come in just with fresh eyes and say, listen, I'm not going to do this, that, and the other thing. I don't like what you're doing here with that, but let's do this. No, you got to know what people have worked for, what they've been working at and writing. So I, I don't want to go in here and drop names, but there was somebody who came in a while back when I was there and was going to come in as a writer and was suggesting things suggesting things for certain people they didn't know what angles certain people were in and it it hurt their position and they were out real quick so like you got to know like you got to know what's going even if you're going to come in and change and blow everything up like right now look we know paul Heyman knows all the angles left and right because he works in the company forever and he's been part of what their creative process has been for the past, I don't know how long, year, two years, whatever he's been involved in doing little projects, helping obviously Brock, helping Ronda Rousey and all this jazz. So he's, he's dialed in. Paul knows everything what's going on there, but so he knows the creative process. He knows the creative story arcs and he's known shit for, for a long time. Bischoff, different story. He's been afar. He hasn't been involved. So Eric Bischoff, got to do his homework and he's got to catch up and knowing eric like i know eric i promise you he's doing that as we speak so if he hasn't been watching the, i don't i know he's a podcast i i maybe he talks about the current product on a regular basis I, pardon my ignorance he might i don't know 
Um, I, I don't listen to his podcast or anyone else's. As you guys know, it's not disrespect. I just don't like my points of views or opinions to be geared or veered by anybody else that I might hear. So I like to be fresh, clean Jones. So um, Eric might be on top of the stuff right now, or he needs to obviously catch up me on top. And he will. He's a, he's a professional. You know, he knows what he's doing. So, um, you know, he'll be, he'll be rocking and rolling and prepared to go. Um, so, so that's the deal, but good question. Willie Chuck, I, I hear you, man. Irish Ted Taz, besides your own, what is your favorite old school intro theme? Mine is the original edge. Yeah, that's cool. I think you must mean, um, Metalingus. What's that song? Am I saying that name right? Metalingus. Uh, it's a really good band. I'm drawing a friggin' blank on it right now. Damn, and a bunch of you know the band I'm talking about. I actually have some of their music on uh, iTunes Jones. I've listened to their music for a long time. I'm just drawing a blank right now. But um, Metalingus, Mega Meta Rank, Metalingus, uh, something like that. But anyway, yeah, no. Um, uh, I, I mean, besides my own, my favorite old school intro theme. Well, first thing I think about is the Road Warriors when they were using Iron Man from Black Sabbath. You know, that's the first thing that pops out to me. I, I love that. Um, so that you know. That jumps out to me when I think of that, when I think of old school ring entrance music. Um, ah, man, there's a lot of stuff I liked. I liked when I think it was Dr. Death Steve Williams, God rest his soul. I believe it was Steve Williams in the NWA when he was coming out to Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. I could have sworn, I think it was him. That was pretty cool. And I'm not a big Bruce Springsteen fan, but but that definitely was cool. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, old school wrestling themes. Let me think. Um, uh, oh, by the way, yeah, meddling is that's right. Alter Bridge. I uh, just remembered it. Alter Bridge. Unless you no, yeah, and then he had a Rob Zombie too, Edge. He had Rob Zombie too. I remember that. He did have Rob Zombie. And I was always a big white zombie, Rob Zombie fan. Uh, we were talking about music before. What do you have? Never gonna stop. I think he had that's what Edge had too from Rob Zombie. All right, whatever. Um, yeah, so old school. I was like I said, Road Warriors jump out to me right away. That's one. Uh, for my music, you know, I liked when I was in, my, in WWE. My my favorite music I had was when when Cypress Hill did music for me, Be Real and stuff. When they did uh, Thug Superstar, I, I liked that better than what Jim Johnson did for me. I didn't hate my, you know, that 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 I didn't hate it, but it was it was all right. You know, um, it was okay. It was fine. Uh, Steve Walsh's music's badass. I mean, I like his. Uh, I've always liked his music. His music's cool. Um, I don't know if you consider Steve old school. I mean, he's from my school, from my era, so maybe that's not old school for you. I don't know. But I hate you with a few. Um, man, you guys have some tough questions today. It's just like really crazy. Uh, what else we got here? Um, I know we got a water break coming up. Some dry as shit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we got Drew's knee underscore. Uh, hey, Taz, long-time listener. How do you feel about Cesaro being the person that was knocking on Alistair Black's door? Do you think Cesaro is talented enough to carry that story between them and uh, them two outside the ring? Well, I guess you mean his promo skills for Cesaro because his in-ring work is spectacular. Cesaro It's always been. He's a tremendous worker. Um, big fan of his work, uh, as is Alistair Black. Big fan of his work, too. His promos are excellent. Uh, Cesaro's promos are good. They're not awesome, but they're good. I mean, it's just he's got the accent and mouthpiece Jones. He, That's his thing and, you know, the way he talks. And and it, he's a badass. Uh, you know, he's going to run right through you like a machine. That's his thing. But I, I don't – I think as long as you have one guy that's like a spectacular promo guy, the other guy – can carry his weight and Cesaro can do that with no problem. So I have no problem with that. I, as far as Cesaro being the guy that, that knocked on Alistair Black's door, I'm not crazy about that. Even though I do think these guys have good matches. I I've felt like Nakamura would be the right guy. I, I laid out that storyline. I thought that would be cool. It was Nakamura, two guys in that uh, Japanese strong style um, would be great. Alistair Black and Nakamura. And I think they will go there eventually. I do two SmackDown guys. I do think that, um, the guy that I, I, uh, you know, I, okay, this is going to sound weird. I think Cesaro versus Alistair Black will be a better program and match than the guy I'm about to mention. But I think Elias and Alistair Black would have been cool. It would have been good matches, not great. The reason why I say Elias, it would have been funny and entertaining 
if you know okay so it's not nakamura then someone comes in while he's saying someone knock on my door someone and he's in that dark room alistair black and then all of a sudden you hear the door open he looks mean alistair black but from behind he gets like kicked in the back of the head and you just see like it's someone in blue jeans and then you see the guitar like he spins it around off the strap from his back to the front and he starts strumming and playing this old song I don't know if you remember, guys, remember Paul McCartney and Wings. Someone's knocking at my door. Somebody's ringing the bell. And he just says, I'm knocking at your door. And I just rang your fucking bell. And he bends down and it's Elias. Now, it's an old school song, but, you know, these kids today, they're Googling shit so they can figure it out. But, you know, those that get it, they get it. Most of you people remember him as Paul McCartney and Wings. Hello. But um, but yeah, that's what I would have done. Just it would have been a cool way to get into the angle, you know. Um, but I have a kind of a crazy creative mindset sometimes with that. So, so that's the, all right. So uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna do this right now, uh, just because it has to happen. Uh, so I'm just really thirsty. I have, there's a lot more Taz Hall to get into here. Hang on. Oh, it's time for a water break. We call it a water break for a reason. Uh, this new water bottle I have, it sounds like I'm vaping. I, I don't vape. Listen. It's kind of weird. Oh, man. These controls. Getting over. Getting it over. Still haven't put that T-shirt out on Pro S&Ts yet. The water break, the H2O Jones shirt. Gotta get that going. All right, listen, Tash up. We'll be right back. Some more Taz Hawks. Tight. Back here on the Taz Show, uh, doing a little Taz Hall. Some great questions by you great people. All you people doing a good job out there and uh, putting out good questions and uh, statements, comments, uh, greetings, salutations, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, we got one here from Pam Brasso. Uh, is there a wrestler you can think of that never achieved their full potential slash marketability because they were ahead of their times? Uh, yeah, that's a tough question, Pam, uh, because my answer is me. Uh, yeah, Taz, me, the human suplex machine. Yeah, I'm the guy uh, who was ahead of his time. I know it sounds very egotistical. But yeah, I don't think that my uh, potential was hit or, you know, nailed or the money was made in WWE that could have been made with me. Uh, so I know that sounds extremely self-serving, but I've just got to keep it real up in this biatch. It's not just me. There's plenty of uh, men and women that 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 can say the same thing and not just in WWE and a lot of promotions, but yeah, no, I, 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 you know, uh, when we saw your question, yeah, I, I just now here, I'm just thinking I, I have to be, keep it real and yeah, no, I, I look at it like this. Okay. I'm thankful for WWE. I've talked about this a lot and because they, they turned me into a broadcaster, which ended up giving me the career I have now and all the years of being uh, in podcasting into radio and 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 then my broadcasting in tna and everything like that so i i'm blessed that i i was taught by the right people in wwe and coached up by the right people and was fortunate to extend my career um so which i extended into being a content provider like what i do now and and you know stuff like that so I'm thankful for that, but from a wrestling perspective, and I hear from a lot of you guys for years, I've been hearing it, you know, and it's no bullshit, you know, that, hey, man, what happened as a wrestler in WWE? It didn't, you know, and yeah, no, it didn't. It, the, the the push wasn't there. Or I I didn't get over like um like everybody thought I was going to get over, including me. Um, it was a different time in WWE then. I think the Vince McMahon would tell you that now. The locker room was different. The locker room was loaded with sharks and snakes, and uh, <laughs> and it was a you know it was a very political jockeying type thing there, and I wasn't um, I wasn't part of that. I wasn't inside that. I was not what you know. I was not. Uh, I, I'm not making excuses. I'm just being fucking real. I mean, so you don't have to believe me, but mm-hmm. it it didn't help. And being at that time, being undersized didn't help. Being you know under five eleven, under six foot. Uh, also, where I feel like I was a little ahead of my time, 
um, to answer your question again, Pam, is because of what I brought in with a martial arts feel. I'm uh, I'm sorry, with an MMA feel uh, during my years in ECW and getting you know opponents to tap out. Um, you know, getting getting legitimate judo choke in uh, a martial arts choke in in uh, kata hajime, and uh, which was called Taz Mission, and and all the different throws I've done, and and different judo throws I've utilized from Sayanagi throws to different Ogoshi hip throws and and stuff like that, and different joint lock submissions I've used, and using uh, different stuff I learned as a judoka. So you know, I I I've, I incorporated that in pro wrestling, and and it was pushed the right way by Paul Heyman and and ECW, and we didn't have the resources and money or the machine or the TV penetration that WWE did, but yet. I was able to make some money for the company and be a draw and get some of you folks out to the arena to watch me, you know, fight somebody, you know? So I, you know, I, I'm proud of that. And you would think that if I have this multi-million dollar machine behind me and uh, in WWE and all this TV penetration back then in 2000, that shit, this guy got over big and with the push that he got in ECW, just imagine now, but no, it didn't happen. So, you know, I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I, I'm proud and I sleep well at night because I know as a wrestler, I was a draw and I did draw and, and I had talent around me to help me draw and got me over. I know that. And a writer in Paul Heyman who got me over, but I had a score to touchdown. I was given a ball, but you still got a score. And I was given the opportunity to score. Uh, and so I'm proud of that. And then, you know, just because it didn't happen in WWE, I really was never given the ball that much, just to be honest. And that's not me complaining. I'm just being honest. So that's the deal. So, um, but, and also being the size that at my height, you know, today it's like, it's embraced today. It's like guys are not, you know, the guys, guys, a lot of these guys that are getting over huge, they're not tall guys. I mean, and guys are not 290 and six, four. I mean, there are a couple, but it's not like it used to be. So I feel like I was a little ahead of my time with that too. Not just me; there were several of us. You know, I mean, the, the radicals and 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 obviously the late great Eddie Guerrero, and there was a bunch during that era, and you know, um, that were not giant guys that could work. And those guys got a better push than I got. But you know, and them coming in as a four-person group didn't help me either. But I just came in a week before as a solo act, so and they came off a bigger TV of WCW Nitro, so that that didn't help me either. So. A lot of things just didn't fall into place, but I ended up staying there just about a decade and, and learned a lot and love what uh, the McMahon family opportunities they've given me over the years. And uh, you guys know I have no I am I'm not angry. I'm not. It's it's OK. It's all good. I'm always thankful. And Vince McMahon knows that. So Stephanie knows that. Hunter knows that. They know that. So uh, one and only Yafai. OK, I know it's been discussed, but how do you feel? Uh, about the chair shot heard around the world with Cody and uh, Cody Rhodes and Sean Spears. Um, should chair shots to the head still be allowed or no? Hashtag we over, hashtag Waterbreak Jones, hashtag FTW, hashtag RTG. Chair shots to the head should not be allowed. It's should have, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't, it, 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 we shouldn't be discussing it, in my opinion. There is in this day and age, there's no need for it. There's no reason for it. None at all. None whatsoever. With the education we all have as a sports society, as a wrestling community, with CTE and with with concussions and the, the great Chris Nowitzki could tell you all about it and and what he does for concussions and and what he's done and what what the bright education he got at Harvard University and as a college football player at Harvard and as a pro wrestler, uh, he's been on my radio show before. He's been on a lot of different platforms. Chris knows, and Chris has smartened up the NFL to a lot of things. But to answer the question, no, there should be no no chair shots to head. None, none. I don't care if the chair's gimmicked enough. That chair's metal or any kind of weight to it. There's no reason to hit anyone in the skull with a chair. There's no reason to book it that way. I've talked about this, and that's fine. I'm not trying to disrespect Cody or Sean or any of those guys or AW. I just don't think they needed to do that, especially right now in the honeymoon phase for the AW. That anything they do, people love. So it don't matter. You know, guy does a snapmare. An AW wrestler does a snapmare. It's the greatest snapmare in the world. You know, that's that's the phase they're in right now, which is awesome. That's great for them. You know, so hopefully they can keep that rolling when they're doing TV every week. You know, 
I don't think the chair shot um, uh, should have happened, and uh, and and I got a funny feeling you're probably not going to see it ever again in AEW. That's just my opinion. I hope they don't, just for the safety of wrestlers. I just don't think there's any need for it. I just really don't. Uh, I don't. I just don't think it needs to happen at all. Um, so you know, but good question. I understand, and and I and it has been talked about about a lot. Um, you know, it has been. Um, but you know, it's it's. That's the thing, too. Side note, like when you do a podcast, you know, and, and I do this type of thing, it's like I, I know how it works. Not everyone's listening to every episode that I do, and you might miss one or you might be brand new to it. So it's like I got to basically repeat stuff sometimes. I'm not bitching about it. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. So for those that are regular listeners, I appreciate your patience because you guys are all pretty chill. And I, I know that you're chill because. If you're bitching about it, you're not coming at me <laughs> on, on social media saying, oh, you said this already, and, you know, you guys get it. I just wanted to point that out. Um, what do we got here? Danny Patisse, who is your favorite person on Big Brother 21 so far? Hashtag the Tash Show. You know, I'm mad at myself. I have not been talking about Big Brother 21 that much at all, and I should be. A lot of you people are Big Brother fans. You know, I put it over a lot back in the day on the Tash Show here. I used to talk about it, and I still watch it. Uh, my wife and I watch it all. We're one episode behind right now, so uh, we're pretty much up to date. Um, who's my favorite to win? I mean, I think you got to look um, at the dude with the beard, with the long hair, the guy Jack. He's he's a smart guy. Uh, he's He's got his shit together, and he's an alpha male in that house. I think the, the other kid, Jackson, the Mikey, I think he's going to kind of implode. The kid from Nashville, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't see him going as long as a lot of people think he's going to go. Um, I think that uh, the girl from Staten Island, that's her name, Christy, I think she's going to, um, she's another one that's too much of a type A, and I think she's going to kind of implode. The girl I think is going to go real deep and probably go to the final two and possibly win it is the girl, Sis. The girl, Annalise, I think she's from California. Uh, she was a soccer player in college. I think she went to Nevada, University of Nevada. I look at her as being someone I think that's going to go deep. She's got a real good social game. She's smart. She's athletic. And she lays low. She she doesn't uh, get a lot of heat with anybody. So I look at that 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 girl as a favorite. So her nickname is Sis. That's what they call her. So anyway, so you have it. Renz17. Just want to know, how's life, Taz? How's the wrist? The family. Hashtag FTW. The wrist is fine. If they had the carpal tunnel surgery, Jones, everything's going good with that. Um, I got pretty good power back. Not 100%. I don't think I'm ever going to be 100% there with the power, but it's good. Family's great. Blessed. No problem. I appreciate this simple question. <clears throat> Thank you. Z Kestler, are you happier with your commentating career with WWE and beyond or with your wrestling career in ECW? Love the free lunch. Wow, that's a question. See, now that right there is a question, kids. That's a good question. Oof. Are you happy with your career commentating WWE and beyond? So that would mean TNA also. Or with your wrestling career in ECW, man. You know, dude, I mean, I think a lot of people would probably say that I would answer that by saying my ECW in-ring wrestling career more than a commentary. But ah, it's tough, man. I'm blessed. I'm fortunate that both were able to work out for me. I've love doing both careers like both jobs i should say loved love love difficult the commentary was actually harder than wrestling for me to be honest to learn and then once i got it i got it but i i love loved my commentary role and trying to be innovative and original especially when we had some freedom in wwe and then the freedom kind of tightened up a little bit but it was all good in the hood at the end of the day i mean i loved it Love learning in the WWE system, too, because I believe in that WWE commentary system. And there is a certain system they do, trust me, and I believe in it. Um, I still utilize it. <laughs> so more than you guys know. Um, my in-ring career as a wrestler in ECW was was just perfection for me. I mean, I was so fortunate to get the push I got and have guys put me over. Um, even if some of these guys fucking don't like me anymore. I mean, whatever. I've been over that. I'm not going to get into that again. But, I, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But you know, for the company and Paul Heyman and um, and others to believe in me that I could be a top guy uh, is a big deal and be, a, you know, world champion is a big deal. And that happened for me a couple of times, you know, in ECW. So 
and being an ECW grand champion, holding every titles they've had is a, a big deal to me. And, you know, you don't get a lot of credit for that stuff, but ECW stuff, but to me, it's a big deal. I'm very proud of that. So I loved my in-ring career. I had a blast. I, could, I would not want to change anything. My style, my work, the way I looked, the way I dressed, everything I did in that ring, uh, that microphone was fucking perfect for me. Perfect. So I miss that more as I'm getting older than I ever thought I would miss it. I know it's a thing in the past, and my days are done, obviously. But shit, I loved it. Um, what do I like? What do I miss more? I don't know. I guess I guess the in ring, the wrestling part, because I broke into business to be a wrestler. But man, it's some splitting hairs. So don't take it like. But I'll give you that answer there because I didn't answer two questions already in this fucking episode. So I got to answer it. Great question. Smess eighty two. Great name. Matt Hardy's doing amazing things on social media, creating new gimmicks. Should younger superstars try to create and get characters over on social media when not exposed with TV time? Hashtag thank for the free lunch. Hashtag buy a shirt. Yeah, buy a fucking hat while you're at it. Um, yeah, I do think that young wrestlers should create gimmicks and characters and get them over on social media because they have creative control for the most part on there. For the most part, meaning WWE talent might not have full creative control on there to just do what they want. Listen, what I'd say is the big caveat um, to your question, um, to your question here. I would, if I was a young wrestler, I would try to do that and create characters and get them over on social media first to the point that the, the WWE would have to put it on TV. But before I do all that, I'd get permission first. I'd get clearance to say, this is what I'm trying to do. Can I get this rolling on social media? That's how I would do it instead of just doing it like out of nowhere. Um, I'm assuming a lot of the guys and girls do do that, but I think that's very important. Remissary 31, what's the first thing you would change about the current WWE product if you were Paul Heyman or Eric Bischoff? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I would change some things. Yeah, I don't I, mean, I don't think the product's horrendous. I, I think a lot of people beat up on it a lot. It's always there. That's the biggest problem. There's no downtime. So absence never gets a chance to be to grow fonder because it's always there. You're never away from the WWE, you know, penetration uh you know product the penetration is there on tv constantly and online constantly so you never get a break so AEW is a show and then you know they don't do a show for a month then they do another show they don't do a show i mean you know so that's i mean it's the honeymoon phase you know what you're working every time you know and all the other companies they're they're not working as much as vince Uh, so that's why when you said who when somebody said uh, who's the best, I said, well, right off the bat, it's going to be a WWE guy or girl because they, they work more. And that's a big deal. It's a big, big fucking difference. So, um, man, I, I don't know. I, what would I change? I would try to really lean towards more realistic feel. And I would cut back on backstage uh, backstage promo stuff and interaction with talent i would really cut back on having the wrestlers act 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 acting i would cut back on the act part when you have them read scripts and act and memorize three four fucking paragraphs that's a problem in my opinion because you're not helping the talent develop you're just not because you only develop by doing and talking from your heart and just get bullet points that's how the great ones did it trust me but you have plethoras and plethoras and teams of writers in WWE and these other, you know, and I don't, I, I got to be honest, I think it's oversaturated. I don't think you need them. I just don't. I don't want to see no one lose their job, but I don't think you need all these writers. I just really don't. And you, but you're kind of in a fucking spot now where you kind of do need the writers because the talent that's coming up through NXT, they, you know, if or just anywhere, like if you're learning this WWE system, a lot of times I, I'm assuming what I'm hearing. You got to you got to read these promos, you know, so instead of working bullet points. So um, unless you get over enough and you get over and you're allowed to just do bullet points and just kind of shoot from the hip. Um, reading someone else's mindset doesn't work for me unless you're a real actor. So that's why I could never do it. So I'd cut back on that. I'd cut back on either having all these writers or if you're going to have all these writers cut back on having the talent interact backstage together. Because some of it comes across very contrived and very 
just like bad acting because these people are professional wrestlers. They're not actors. So I do think that's a problem. And like the realism thing I'm talking about, like we saw with the Bobby Lashley and Strowman going through the stage and the way it was shot, the way Heyman had that thing shot and Vince approved it and Vince was down with it to shoot it from that camera shot from the side. It was awkward looking and ugly looking. It felt real. The announcers laying out. It felt real. Go for more of that feel. I like the more realism. You know, it just makes me, locks me in more as a, as a viewer. Um, I guess that's the ECW original in me, I guess, but I, um, I always feel that a little bit better. I like sticking to the athleticism. You're seeing a lot of athletes, and I do think that's that's a plus. You got to keep letting these guys and girls be athletes out there, and athletes are getting over more now instead of just big, you know, bodybuilder guys or girls. You know, it's it's about being an athlete. I like that. I think that's that's good shit, and that's what they don't get enough credit for, and the work rate and athleticism because it's there and it's there a lot on a lot of levels. So, um, so uh, that's the deal with that. Uh, what else we got here? Ooh, we got uh, we got this gimmick here, man. We're we're doing a lot. There's a lot here. There is a lot here. I mean, really, there's a lot. Mm-mm-mm. You're gonna get that, dude. This is this guy's name here. Did you often watch the other matches on the shows in ECW, or were you only focused on your own? If so, do you have any favorites? Hashtag Detach. No, I did not watch the bulk of the matches. If I was wrestling on a card, I did not watch. Um, Unless I was on done early, uh, but um, which was not often. But the only thing I would watch a lot of time are tag teams, uh, because I would, I didn't, I didn't, not that I didn't care. They, they didn't conflict with me as a single single singles wrestler. So, uh, eliminators, uh, mostly eliminator matches, I loved. So, and uh, you know, and John and I, and John Perry and I used to drive together. So, you know, um, I'd watch a lot of their stuff because we talk about it in the car. They'd watch my stuff or whatever. So. But otherwise, no, I really didn't pay attention to most of the other people. It wasn't me being rude. I just was, I'm really one of those guys that when I was wrestling, I really had to get in a zone. I needed to be alone. And a lot of people couldn't relate to that in the locker room. They just thought I was just a dick, you know. But it was just me trying to do the best job I could. And I was a little bit of a salty, immature fool at times. But, and I couldn't handle the push because I was, uh, I was so paranoid I was going to lose the push that I was very protective, but I, that's why I was so focused too. So, but I wouldn't redo that, that part of it, the focus part, I would handle my focus a little bit different, but yeah, no, that I couldn't, I just couldn't sit there and watch matches before I had to work. It just didn't happen. I just was there to fucking work, not, not be a fanboy and watch wrestling matches on a monitor backstage. It's just, well, just not me. I mean, I'm not knocking anybody who does that. I just couldn't do it. That's how I looked at it. I'm there to work. I'm there to draw money. I'm there to fucking get heat. I'm there to get over. I'm there to fucking outperform everybody. I'm there to work with the guy I'm working with. So we do better than everybody. That's, you know, that was my mindset you know ultra competitive and and just 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 intense like that <laughs> i think you can hear it come out of me a little bit right now so anyway uh <laughs> solman underscore canan hey taz why do mocks hate wwe so much okay first off dude don't just come at people like say mocks like that it's just it's not right okay if you're paying for a product you can be called a mock too but uh, i'll just read it because this is where you're spitballing with me here Hey, Taz, why do mocks uh, hate WWE so much? The pre-show for AEW Fighter Fest uh, was hot garbage, and mostly everyone said it was good. Is there bias now in wrestling community towards WWE? Well, there's been bias even before AEW towards WWE. It's like I said earlier. It's because it's oversaturated, and it's just WWE putting out a lot of programming, so they really can't win. You know, in that sense, it's tough. They, they People don't give them enough credit. They're putting out that much programming every week. Three hours of SmackDown. Two hours, I'm sorry, three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown. That's five hours. Hour of NXT. What's uh, what's a 205? An hour, right? I think it is. And it's like, it's like you know, how much? It's a lot of programming. It's a lot of writing. It's a lot of booking. It's a lot of work for, for the announcers, for the wrestlers, for the agents. It's a lot. Um. I did not see that last AEW show, so I can't comment. I know a lot of people were talking about that pre-show and some of the stuff they did on it was a little, little, you know, sketchy. Um, I'm not into all that kind of stuff, you know, with the baby oil and the, 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 the that kind of. And I like humor. Trust me, in wrestling, I have no problem. with I just think um, it's got to be a little bit handled a little bit different, in my opinion. But it, whatever. Um, 
yeah, so there was definitely bias towards uh, to, against WWE. I think for a lot of the the online community, and that's why a lot of these people you know, just you know people are just hoping that the AEW thing can be amazing and stuff. And we'll see. You know, we'll see. It's 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 not an easy thing to do as much programming as WWE does, and AEW is going to give it a shot and go every week. So we'll see what they do. Uh, Joe R the R Joe Rod BX right, Taz. Uh, would you take a phone call from Paul Heyman or Eric Bischoff if they wanted to talk to you about announcing return? Oh, geez. I don't know. I mean, I'd take a phone call from either of those guys, but to get me to return to announcing, that'd be tough. I'd love to do, I'd love to be an announcer again. I wouldn't mind doing it. The thing is, it'd be tough for me with the way I've been broadcasting for years now without, you know, I, you know, I don't have a ton of people in my ear. So, That'd be difficult to get used to that. Again, that would be tough for me to have my opinion, you know, veered a certain way. That that'd be difficult. You know what I mean? That that would be tough to do. Um, yeah, it would be. So that would be my only reason why I wouldn't want to do it. But they they don't want me. I mean, they they WWE. They they're trying to build new guys and girls. They they what they want me for. You know, <laughs> I don't think they want me. But thank you for that, Dean Smith eighty eight. Hey Taz. Question about your time at the announce table. Uh, on camera, you were mostly wearing them dark shades. Did you remove them when the matches were on, or could you see through them with no problem? Uh, hashtag trying to be original Jones. That's a good one. Hashtag we over. Hashtag buy a hat. Hashtag fuck the hashtag. Yes. Um, no, I keep the shades on all the time because a lot of times the camera, the handheld camera from across the ring through the bottom rope, would pick up me and Michael Cole at the desk or me and JR where I was working at the desk, usually Cole. So no, I kept them on and I could see with no problem. They 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 were dark shade Jones for sure, but there's so much bright lights when you're shooting a TV show that was very bright in the studio in the studio in the arena. And I'm looking off a mo- looking at a monitor which is bright light a bright monitor also. So I had no problem with that. But a uh, good question. You know, definitely a good question right there. What else we got here? B boo two, B boo two. When watching a WWE wrestler work, can you tell whether they truly love wrestling or only in it for a paycheck? Well, first off, it, you don't need to love wrestling to be a successful pro wrestler. That I'm telling you. I know fans, and not the stereotype, but I do know fans love when they hear certain wrestlers say how much they love being a wrestler and how much they love. They loved wrestling growing up, and they loved being a fan, and now they're living their dream, and they love being a wrestler. Guys, that's great, and there's a lot of men and women that are like that in the past and in the present and the future that have that mindset that are professional wrestlers, no doubt. Um, that's not how it is for everybody. I needed a fucking job to make money, okay? I was in it to make money. That was it. I had a passion for it, but I was in it to make money. I love the business, respect the business, but my main goal was to make money. I promise you most men and women are like that. This is a business. So to answer your question, no, I can't tell. If I'm watching a WWE wrestler, they're in the WWE because that means they went through a lot of processes and a lot of auditions to get that fucking job. So that means you can't tell, okay, because to get to that spot, you are fucking at the top of your game. So it's very difficult to tell, okay, if someone's in it just for the paycheck. Um, And that's what people say about Brock Lesnar. I've I've defended Brock, and I'll defend him again. Look it. I know Brock. Brock's made a lot of money. And Brock is not a guy who just spends money on a regular basis like crazy. Brock's got a lot of money saved. He don't have to work. Trust me. He don't have to work. Okay? (laughs) There's love in him to do what he does. But he wants to make money too. I mean, uh, you know, he shows up. You people pop. Everybody buries him because he's in it for the paycheck. He he works when he wants. Yeah. Okay. So someone's going to pay you a ton of money to work a limited schedule. You're going to say no? Come on, guys, please. And to answer your question again, no, you, I can't tell. If you're telling me a WWE wrestler, I can't tell. Because if they're dogging it, they ain't going to be on TV. I promise. If they're fucking dogging their physical in-ring work, they're not going to be on TV. I promise you that right now. I promise. Long Dong Silva. What's the guy's name? 
what was that management slash resting gimmick you were going to do uh, in late April? Hashtag busy man Jones. Uh, yeah, that's me. I, yeah, I was going to do something with MLW, to be honest with you. It just didn't work out with the scheduling and stuff like that, but it just didn't work out. But that's it, truth be told. So um, maybe down the road one day. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure. Very busy. Constantly busy all the time. Um, you know, just so it's like that's it. So, you know, but yeah, I, I don't, uh, yeah, that's what I answered your question. I don't know what else to tell you. All right. Well, I guess, uh, that's kind of a weird ending, right? Yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> All right. Look, thanks for downloading the show. I appreciate you listening to me here for the past hour or so, whatever the fuck it's been. You guys are great. Support the show. Subscribe to the show. Put me over. Tell your friends and family about the show. I'm on the cusp of 700 episodes of this son of a bitch. I kick ass, take names, and that's that. I'm Taz. You're not. Thanks again, guys. I'll talk to you. Circle is getting smaller, all these people acting fake, man And to be honest, I don't even